Second cast with your host, Mark Emery. Kia Koto, welcome to Circuit Cast, moving image and art from Aotearoa and beyond. You're with Mark Amory here in Auckland in the brand new offices of Totai Contemporary Pacific Arts Trust in K Road, right next to Art Space. And with me today is uh, an artist, installation and video artist, a bit of a DJ remixer of, of our culture, I would say, Janet Lilo. Kia ora to you, Janet. Kia ora. Um, thanks for having me on yeah. Circuit Podcast. I'm really excited. Could you tell us a little bit about Totai does? So I currently co-chair the Totai Pacific Arts Trust and it's a trust that is, has been dedicated to nurturing the growth of contemporary Pacific Arts in Aotearoa and beyond, around the, Pacific, around the world actually, and it was formed 30 years ago by a small group of pioneering Pacific artists who saw the need for this to happen in New Zealand. So Fatu Fe'u, who is sort of, our, I'd say godfathers of Pacific Art, course and people like Ian George who have just passed away sadly and other artists like Jim Viviari who also passed away in the last couple of years and then I guess there's a whole bunch of other artists like Lily Later yeah. who are responsible for this trust or this organisation starting in the first place and so it's um, great to be a part of it today. Um, yeah well the last 10 years have been a really exciting time and Totai's played a really major role in that in terms of just the growth of contemporary Pacific art. A lot of those artists working independently you know they don't have dealers or they're, they're sort of it's good for them to have a kind of a support structure. Yeah definitely and I think that's a huge reason for why it's so important to have a trust like this operating because uh, New Zealand can be quite a white place you know in the arts so if you don't have that on your side or if you don't have many friends then it's very hard to get ahead um, with your artwork and you are already placed into a pigeonhole of being a Pacific artist anyway if you are a Pacific person um, even though it doubles as against and for being a part of this organization without it we wouldn't have you know we wouldn't have as strong a community as we do now so yeah and I think in the last 10 years it's been great to see that that huge increase of Pacific, especially young artists coming through, contemporary artists doing different things, even without a dealer. In terms of getting an understanding of your work, maybe you could talk about a recent project that you've undertaken. Okay, the, my most recent project actually is not a local one, so maybe maybe that, that might, might be a funny place to start. Would this be the one in Normandy? Yes, and that's something I've just finished at the end of last year. It is a Pacific show though, Pacific Māori curated show, so all the artists um, do have Pacific or Māori uh, descent, uh, so there, that there is already a sort of a framework there. Taking that into another context like Europe and France and Normandy, that creates an interesting platform for which this work could be read, or the artists, or the work that the artists produce in that zone. Who was involved in that and, and how did it come about? Okay, it was curated by Jacqueline Charles Root and Caroline Verko. Caroline Verko is an art historian and HOD at Auckland University at the Art History Department. And Jacqueline is, has a similar role at the Harvard University in Normandy. Uh, so I guess it, 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 it uh, began with those two wanting to put together uh, quite um, an ambitious show uh, for Pacific and Māori artists. Uh, in Normandy. The artists involved were maybe about 11 venues across Normandy and maybe 40 art, uh, 14 artists, so it was quite uh, full on. We, we had um, people like Tracy Tuffio, 
Michelle Tuffery, Michael Tuffery, George Nuku, Rosanna Raymond, uh, Rob George, myself, Jeremy Liatanu. There was um, Annie Tonga. There was there was wow. a range of artists. Yeah. So it was what was nice about it. I think what they were hoping to achieve there was to uh, include more of I don't know. I guess younger generation artists like myself would be counted in in that. Though I don't feel so young now, but I still I guess artists that are not making work that is you know totally tangible or yeah artists that are more uh, interested in in social community or performative works which might not have had that much international exposure beforehand in sort of Pacific survey shows. Mm. Well yours was performative to the point of, of involving a walk as I understand it so how did how did you approach the the Normandy experience? Yeah well it was quite simple really the the, the curators said to me they'd like me to show in two different spaces one in one city of Rouen and the other city in Le Havre and what I did from where I was we what, what you do from your your the safety of your home with your laptop as you google you google these places and you think oh yeah it's really important for me to the, the location or space or context is really important to me when I'm thinking about a work or thinking about developing work I decided that I thought it would be a really good idea to walk between those cities and see what happens and what happened um, lots of random stories and happenings, a lot of difficulty and, and adventure really, which uh, spiralled into a, a year-long journey for myself of creating works from that experience. So where I thought I was going there to do, to simply do a walk to collect things, bring it back home to make things and then go back and present things, which is kind of the standard formula for any artist really is for researching and making work. I, I think I got lost in it um, thinking, I realised that there was no the output of it so I did have an exhibition two exhibitions that was not the work the whole entire experience the whole beginning uh, the whole entire process was the actual work and I, I've had a practice that has um, been quite social uh, when you do something like that it's quite antisocial it's quite, <laughs> quite a it is a, a, a very lonely kind of experience this, uh, talking about the walk but during that period of time walking between cities over the five days I did meet a few people, some key people who helped me make it to my destination. So it really was, a, I don't know, there was still that quite, um, that, that reliance on community and understanding that space to get from this place to that. And I found that really interesting. And I continued thinking about that uh, all the way up until the, the end of the exhibition, final exhibition. So does your work then, in a way of being social, become a way of coming to understand a place or your place in it but also finding a way to represent that place that's I guess honest yeah honest actually yeah definitely uh, it's my job I think as an artist to like try and, and try and make an, a connection or find a channel or a way in so that I can understand the audience better so I can understand that place better so I can you know make work that I think is most appropriate you do a lot of installation work what do, what do the outputs tend to be well there was a classic sort of installation for both spaces uh, so on on during my gathering process I had I had two cameras um, I had a, a digital a DSLR camera a big camera I had a camera phone so a phone <laughs> also a Polaroid camera uh, I have paper to draw make notes I had a H6 recorder similar to what I'm recording on this device right now for this interview so a lot of technology basically which is kind of the opposite of what, what, what you think that, that whole process would be. If I'm walking city to city, it's quite organic and it's not very, you know, it's quite physical, quite a mental 
challenge, especially the fact that I'd never been there before, don't speak French, and I don't know the landscape or anything, and it was just kind of dumb and blind, and if anyone who has caught a, you know, 30-something hour flight to Europe and then got off the plane and decided the day after that you're just going to walk to another city, you'd probably think that that might be a stupid thing to do. So yeah, there was a lot of contradiction in, in, in the process, uh, which was good. That's yeah. what I realised is that, oh God, I, you know, I can't really capture this. I can't really. And that stems from something that I've always been interested in my practice from the beginning, has been looking at the, the popular cultural aspects or cultural aspects of um, um, technology shifts in, in the last you know, 2000 plus, that's uh, 2000, I mean year 2000. I've always been interested in how technology has impacted on us socially, how it's impacted on everything. I mean, we're living in the most documented time ever right now. I've I've always been really interested in documentation and processes part of work, because a lot of things I do just will disappear uh, working with time-based technology and performance. You've got a survey show coming up at Te Uru, uh, which I think is called Status Update, yep. which is you know, an interesting title in regards to what you're talking about. And it's really in this age where everyone is documenting their own lives online and everyone mm-hmm. is, in that sense, literally being an artist. What is your role? Yeah, it was probably the first show that, that, was, that had a lot, the most attention when I, early works was Top 16, which was based on s- social media social networking sites and um, I was developing this, this body of work in 2006-2007 so 10 years ago yeah wow and I was really interested in how, how this new sort of platform for oh look social media this is crazy but we need to understand not that it's crazy but everything about it like why is it uh, you know how, how, how what was the access point of that well you know these these platforms can exist because of access of internet uh, not just internet but fast internet before that um, Bebo was sort of the more popular social networking site at the time yes uh, and then it fell into Facebook and um, just before Bebo myspace that would be pre pre broadband so dial up and then you move into the broadband era around that time and then we are in the Wi-Fi I've been dividing my practice into how, how fast internet has been in the last, um, I don't know, 10, 10 plus years. Uh, and I've been finding that really interesting um, in that technology shift. So identity has really changed uh, for a lot of people and it's collapsed a lot of sort of um, distance and boundaries between not just uh, people physically, um, just in distance, but in time, you know, real time, how fast things happen. It's our social responsibilities to think about how that where that's going and when I was developing top 16 I was really interested in where that's going where that was going 10 years now I can see it's kind of where I thought it was going and where's, just, where's that where do you think it's going I think it's just you know it's, it's totally it's I mean it's totally embedded in everyone's lives um, but it's uh, it's something that you really need to think about consciously I teach at three part-time at three different art institutions and when I'm teaching, I notice that you say something to a student, have you thought about looking at this artist? They could just whip out their phone, their laptop, and they're Googling. They're like, oh, yeah. yeah. They see one picture on an image search, and they think they know it. And you're like, yes. no, you have no idea. You have no idea. Have you been to the library? Have you actually been to a library? Have you picked up a book? Have you picked up a book by accident? You can't sort of accidentally, you know, find things when you're Googling. You know, like, you're in control of that, so you're limiting yourself. 
I, I think um, with the project, and I was just talking about the France project, that was a me addressing, and I think I was coming to, an, an, to, a, to a really good point and stage of who I am and in my career is that I was losing that digital. And I was like really thinking about how to be an artist without um, you know, being so public or having to document for other people, purely for myself. I'm not social mediaing, I'm not looking for likes, I don't care about that, yeah. I really don't. When I started out, when I came out of art school and I knew I had no friends, uh, you know, friends in, in places that would get me, you know, into better places for my art career, uh, my, my simple strategy for marketing was to give artist talks to one or ten people at a time. The physical, the yeah. physical space. That's how I was going to get my work out there, just to work hard and just and just take up every opportunity to talk about my work and word of mouth would be my strongest. You know, that's a stupid way of thinking right now. Like, can you imagine, like, my marketing plan is like, I'm gonna try and, I'm gonna try and, like, get out there through word of mouth and not through social media. Of course, now it's just total off. You don't need to, I think there are a lot of artists that do less and less work. They actually don't do any work and they're still very popular, can be very popular on the (laughs) internet. You think, what have you done? You haven't done much though, you know? So I'd like to, I think, status update will be a nice, we call it a remix because I I don't think it's the work I've made is, is, is classically um, a, a collection of things that I have that is ready to go. I'm going to put it in a chronological sort of like, I don't know, um, survey and this work, that work. Like, it's going to be all brand new. It has to be because I think lots of the things I've made and I wanted it to happen like this is that it would live in the time and space that it it needed to and then it could die and I'm happy with that not harping on like that it's mm. so great because that means I don't trust that I've got better ideas that I can keep you know, moving forward so yeah it will be interesting I don't know what it'll look like but I think it'll I hope it'll be an experience your work's been here at art space and you've worked in the gallery space I was interested in your thoughts as to the power of those spaces and their importance in terms of reaching a wider audience I mean why the physical space then in your work becomes important, and in particular the art space. I lo- locate my practice sometimes in these spaces, and, and actually I locate it in the, the smaller bracket of where my art sits. What do you mean smaller bracket? So not everything you see in any gallery would be like, you know, you actually artists would consider all my work would be in galleries. Actually no, parts, some of my work you'll see will be in galleries, but every all, everything else will just be out there floating around. I can't tell you the number of times that I've always had a camera on me I might meet someone family a single person I might be in a situation we get strife, you know we talk I might interview them or I might take a photo for them and then I might email it to them and then it becomes their sort of profile picture on so that work, social media can, that's, that's, part of my work. that's part of your work on a that's, constant yeah, daily yeah, weekly yeah. basis yeah, yeah definitely right. yeah so all of those interactions uh, are greater than all of the sort of tangible things or physical things you'll see in a space. So I think that's what I mean about uh, my relationship to an actual gallery space. So I think it would be sad to think if I didn't have stuff in a gallery space, I'm not an artist and I'm not practicing and I'm not doing what I love because um, I am. It's just you might you might not know about it. But the people that I am interacting with, they know about it. What I like is that if I do meet someone random and then they do like oh great you've got these cool photos of me I thank you really you know and then I put it all over my social media um, and 
there is no there is no hierarchy of like this photo was taken by me no there is no credit and I don't care about that it really doesn't but you know mm. I like the idea that it would just be intercepted and lost so many there are many instances where uh, my work has been picked up and, and freely just sort of like moved off into spaces which are which are just as yeah just as uh, valid and important for me I think for practice I was invited to do here, just next door to Teltide Art Space, to be in the Auckland Triennial. Um, and I was given the space to make some work. And I made an installation. The curatorial sort of framing around that that uh, Triennial was, was if you were to live here. So home was the, um, the emphasis. If you were to live here, yeah. yes. And um, out of that show, um, I, I was the only New Zealander in that show, at Art Space. So I did live here. So I did know what this place, you know, but in saying that, I, I don't claim to know New Zealand at all. I claim to know where I live. That's what, you know, where I actually do live in the suburb. I do live in all the places that I do interact with. I have some understandings of other places. Could be 20 minutes drive from where I live and it's totally alien, alien to me, so I can't say what it's like here or there. But what I wanted to say about that work is that I made an installation, it was maybe a three to 4,000 photograph um, montage across two walls, places or scenes or objects taken from my neighbourhood. I treated it like a residency in my own suburb, my you know, streets around where I live. Uh, there was sound recordings, there were also videos, but when you walk into the space you'll see that installation. To me it's that installation is sort of like more of an evidence or record of what I did. But what you wouldn't see, again, as I mentioned before, is that there were many interactions and interviews with different people for that work to come together. And that was really a work for me. I was able to yeah, connect with lots of different people. So, I mean, there's, there's, that, there's my sort of formal, more formal gallery practice, and then there's actually my other practice, which isn't so formal, but it's just as much part of it, or even bigger deal for me. Well, that connects back to the, the, the idea of the walking in France, of a sense of mm -hmm. where the processes start for you. It strikes me what you're saying is that uh, the spending time, the walking, the walking of yeah. the place that you're interacting with is a... Well, I can tell you, I got like, important. I was cold, I was muddy, I was walking in banks, you know, I got a sense of the land and I got a sense of the season, I got a sense of the people because I, I met real people who were able to, I didn't, you know, I got a lot of information from people I met purely from just coincidence and they would give me information about the, the local area history that I wouldn't have gotten I wouldn't have gotten that information from the internet well another example to take another one which is a work that I, I wrote on was the work you did out of a residency in Christchurch with the physics room mm. which I saw in Wellington just that responsibility of, of the outsider coming into Christchurch and then creating a some kind of picture of, of and how you do that is an interesting yeah, that was responsibility. What, I'd say that was one of the most difficult projects uh, for that reason. It was such a sensitive time and area in New Zealand and also, like I said, you know, I've, I've had hardly any experience in the South Island and being a complete outsider, you don't want to look... You don't want to look like somebody who just goes somewhere and it's like, OK, I'm just going to do this real good stuff and try and do this great project and, like, it's not really about they want it to be a lot more honest and I do want to put myself into the position of being quite accountable because it is from my perspective and it's not just sort of fact like what's well, like this like that. Yeah. Did you feel a reaction to it? Either a sort of a, a welcoming of that outsider perspective or, or did you feel a, a kind of a tension of people of who are you to 
No, I, I didn't. I didn't Pick feel attention um, during my time there. I felt a lot of welcome from people, and I try to be as genuine, not as a tactic, but because I actually really want to know. You know, like I have a real sense of like, I yeah, I want to know. I want to know about this place, and I would like to know about you. And I think I've had a fortunate not just in Christchurch, I've been fortunate to have to have had lots of really positive responses from people in different communities when I'm making a project like that. And because the other thing is I work alone, I'm not a camera crew person, I'm not with other people, I'm totally by myself. So it is just me and you, or me and them, and it's, it seems to be less intimidating. And I'm not using like the highest end qualities technology as such. So I think, you know, there's lots of reasons why people could trust me. I'm four feet tall, <laughs> you know, that might be, <laughs> might be another reason. Yeah, totally not intimidating. I am really enthusiastic about, about um, interviewing people, about asking people questions, about that kind of research, about that interaction. It's quite selfish, but I've gained so much from it, from, from having a practice like this. Every time I've had a conversation with someone, it's sort of changed me a little, and I realize it. I think it's changing me for better, Right. It sounds yes. a bit, bit cheesy, but it's no. really true, and I'm addicted to it. I've always been interested in people, place, stories. You know, I think as a Pacific and Maori person, storytelling is is just by default something that I'm that I'm you know really interested in. See, I would say all those things about what I'm doing right now as a journalist. I've come out of this a, a better person. But why? What? Why art? What? What is? Do you think is the effect in terms of? being an artist say rather than a, than a journalist so oh, sometimes it's probably like not even that useful calling yourself an artist when you're doing this kind of do you know what I mean it be like it seems a bit more selfish and and weird and silly and maybe being a journalist would actually seem more important like you're you know that there is some there could be some effect or change from what you're what you're doing I always loved art making art and when I went to art school, I realised I really liked the social part of learning. When I was at art school, a lot of my work took place outside of the studio, and it was talking to a lot of people, and I found that I liked that. So just those things merged together. So yeah, that's why I say like the gallery is not necessarily the striving point for me. Let's talk a little bit more about this survey show then coming up in May, in terms of just the process for you of how, how to to bring the, all these works together into one space. This exhibition has been curated by Joanna Gordon-Smith and she has been very patient with me, probably because we've known each other for a couple, couple of years now and she knows how I work. I'm not an artist who knows what the end point looks like ever because if I do then I'm probably, I'm lazy, I'm being lazy and there's nothing learned. She's just been trusting that I'm getting stuff done, which I am. So yeah, how do you bring you know, and, and it status update, firstly, is kind of a, a bit of a pun title. It is really relevant to um, the time we're living in now, but it also is that little bit egotistical sort of like status update, you have a survey show, and I keep laughing about it, like it's kind of like, oh God, you feel like a, you know, you feel like a dork, like <laughs> having this survey show, it sounds like you're really important or something. But not just that there is a, a publication, and there hasn't been a publication on my work like that before, after 12 years of exhibiting. The whole publication, which is sort of driven by Joanna again, is um, a whole female affair. So if there are five female writers, the designer's a writer and the editor's a writer, uh, is, is a female too. 
the actual work. Um, I think it's really interesting having a survey at Turudu because my mother grew up in Titarangi. Her family came from Samoa in the 60s to Titarangi to live in, and um, she's one of 14 children, so a large Pacific Island family, which is interesting because most families went to either the city or South Auckland, but yeah, they, they were in the bush, which I think makes total sense. Maybe a bit colder than what they were used to, but yeah, it still makes sense being up in the, the beautiful bush. So, and my grandfather built a house out there um, too. So um, I, really, I really like that, that that's the place. And I'm not talking about the actual work, but what it means for me is like bringing, being able to, to, to bring work in, into a, the survey retrospect there in that particular location is quite special, so I'm lucky to have that opportunity. So yeah, currently I'm, I'm trying to figure out how I'm going to navigate the, the three spaces, quite large spaces that I've been given to fill, hopefully fill it, I know, in a way that is really interesting, but not, not as conventional as what you'd think a survey would be either. Fantastic. Oh, can't really, really oh, say too much. Eh? Kia ora, Janet. I'm looking, really looking forward to seeing what eventuates, and then maybe in a year or two we'll get another status update here yeah. on Circuitcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah, status update too. Okay, well, thank you for joining us. You've been with Circuitcast, brought to you with the support of Crab New Zealand and music from Talautalot. Kia ora.